0: Thank you, Joanne. Beautiful song. Beautiful star of Bethlehem. Well, today as we uh, continue in Isaiah, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, I want to talk about five points about Jesus the Messiah as we look at scriptures. And Isaiah 6 is probably one of the best uh, or most well-known verses, I would think, in the Old Testament anyways, and it really talks about the characteristics of of who Jesus is. And so in the Old Testament many times they would talk about the Messiah and of course they're talking about Jesus and they talk about that. So the things that I want to point out today are are about five points. And first off is that uh, he was born a child. And so as we look at the scriptures, for unto us a child is born, unto us the son is given. And so we see this, that a child is born. We should highlight that because we see the child, that means that he came in the flesh. He was promised to come to uh, Israel as a, as a new covenant, as a new promise for the Jewish people. And he was going to benefit the Jews first and then the Gentiles, which would be us. And so way back in the day of Isaiah, here he is prophesying about this. We sing a song, a, a hymn on occasion. We'll probably be singing it this, this uh, year yet. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. See, our Christmas hymns, and it's a shame that we only sing them for about uh, four weeks out of a year, but they really tell the story of the Messiah coming and of who Jesus is. And understanding really what child is this that Isaiah is talking about has great ramifications in our life, has great meaning for the believer. It shows the humanity A child was born. So in the flesh, and again we see in the New Testament many times they are are fighting Gnosticism, they're fighting different beliefs about God could not really be flesh because flesh is defiled and, and you know we understand that he was without sin, became sin for us. But it shows the humanity, a child is born. God became a little lower than the angels and he came down and he walked amongst us flesh like we were. Tempted in all ways as we were, yet without sin, without stain. And second, the deity, a son is given, the one and only son of God. So we have, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave us Jesus Christ. Before the foundations, and again when when we talk about God, sometimes we have a hard time comprehending that All time is instantaneous with him. But God knew, and this was the plan from the very beginning, that this sacrifice, this perfect sacrifice would be given to us. And so the son was given to us, to you and I, the perfect gift. When we talk about the best Christmas gift you could ever have, it happened when Jesus was born. It actually happened when it was promised and ordained by God way back. Faith Hill has a song called A Baby Changes Everything. If you listen to some of the the more contemporary Christian music in in the Christmas music on the radio, you probably heard this. But one of her verses was, my whole life turned around. I was lost, but now I'm found. A baby changes everything. And so as we look at the deity and as we look at the humanity and as we look at the gift of who Jesus is and we look it was born of a child, first off. The question becomes, has this child changed your life? Has Jesus Christ changed your life? Second point is he will rule. Part of, uh, uh, second part of uh, six. And it says, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called, and they go under the names. But the government will be upon his shoulders. Over God's people. He was coming for the Jewish people. He was going to rule over the Jewish people to begin with. But the Bible also teaches us that there is a day coming when every knee is going to bow. When God is going to reign over everything and Christ is going to separate the sheep from the goats. He's going to gather his own unto him. And he is going to rule over the whole world. Zechariah 14.9 says this, The Lord will be king over all the earth. The Old Testament declares many of these promises that we can walk in, that we can believe, that we can grasp and say, God is in control. When we talk about the sovereignty of God, when we talk about the providence of God, when we talk about the foreknowledge of God, we know that he is in control of all things. Right now, it says, as we went through 1 John, it says that uh, the earth and the sway of it is is under the influence of the evil one, under Satan. But there's going to be a day when Christ comes and all that's going to be taken away and he will rule all things. But don't be deceived. He is still at work behind the scenes now. There is nothing that happens that he is not aware of. And there is nothing that happens that he does not allow. Isaiah declared the government will be on his shoulders to govern all people. What a responsibility. What an awesomeness that God has placed upon this Messiah. The one we call Jesus. He will govern properly and fairly. A lot of times we don't think things are fair. We don't think that things are are done properly. But with God, there's truth and there's light. And in him there is no darkness at all. And so he's going to judge and he's going to govern and he's going to rule justly, fairly, properly. God's deliverance from all sin as he judges sin. It's not a popularity contest. It's not... Who lines up on your side to get you there? But it's going to be you standing before God. And is he your Lord and Savior? Has he forgiven you of your sins? Do you know him in that personal way? Christ is the only agent of deliverance that was promised in the scripture that was given by the Father. And so Jesus delivers us from the sin of the wrath to come, 1 Thessalonians 1 would tell us. That means that as we stand in relationship with him, as we are a child of God, that we know that he's going to deliver us from the wrath that is to come, the wrath that we deserve because of sin in our life, the wages of sin is death. But Romans would say, but the gift of God is eternal life. He gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, Galatians 1 tells us. These scriptures in the New Testament are just fulfillments of what Isaiah was telling in the prophecy. He gave himself for our sins. We don't see that a whole lot in the world today. People giving of themselves for others. But it says that he gave himself for our sins so that we might be delivered. Not only in the time to come, but it says here in this present evil age, according to the will of God and Father. So question two. Is this child, God's Son, Jesus Christ. Is he ruling your life? Are you under his authority? Or do you step out onto your own? It says that his character will be revealed. Point number three. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What titles? But they're just not names. You know, if we think of things, we could think of uh, Abram, Sarai, Jacob, Saul. What do we know about them? They all had a name change, right? A change of a course in their life, a change of direction, change of relationship with what God had. But from the everlasting, the Father has been this. Wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Four descriptive names of Jesus that apply to us in our life today, that describe his character, not only as God, but also in his humanity, as well as his deity. Wonderful counselor. The child, it says, was going to be a wonderful counselor. He was going to be the nation's wonderful, and that word wonderful means this, exceptional or distinguished. Sometimes we look at wonderful and just think of it as something that's a little bit better but the original meaning of this word means exceptional, distinguished, a counselor. And it says that the people would gladly submit to his authority. Those that truly know him. Those that truly love him. Many people shall come and say, come, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths, Isaiah 2.3 says. Wouldn't that be great to have that desire in our heart today? To say, where many people would come and say, come, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. He is a wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. Some suggest that means just this, this person of authority, the mighty God, strong man type thing. Some of the commentaries I read would agree with that. Some of the other ones that I've read maybe mean a little bit more than that. That the Messiah would be able to do what no other person could do. When you think of a a mighty God, it's, it's something that no other one could do. You know, you can read in the scriptures where other people worship their gods and they would challenge their gods to do this. Well, our God can do that. Our God can do this. But the mighty God can do something only that he could do. And what was that? Namely, to die for our sins. Jesus is the only one that has ever been born into this world because he was fully God and fully man. But he's the only one that has been born, the only one that is able to, the only one that can die for our sins and has died for our sins. He's a mighty God. He took on the sins of the world. It's not just the government that was upon his shoulders, but the sins of the world was going to be put upon him upon that cross. Everlasting Father. wait a minute, how can the Son be the Father? Sort of a confusing thing. We tend to dissect out God sometimes. We always need to remember that God is one person distinguished in three different people. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He had all the attributes of God. We need to understand that, that Jesus, when he was here on earth, had all the attributes of God. He just chose to set aside some of those things why he was here on earth. But at any moment he was still fully God where he could have called angels down to do whatever he wanted to do. He existed in three persons. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus as he was down here had communion with the Father and he had the Holy Spirit. And so we see that God is always one. Everlasting Father describes the the Messiah's or Jesus' relationship to time. Not to the Trinity. Again, in time, this is where Jesus came. Because we are people that are orientated in time, this is when Jesus came. Jesus lived here 33 years on this earth. Did Jesus die? Is he no longer here? No, he's eternal. He has no beginning, he has no end. But the humanity of Christ... At that time. And so when we look at him, it describes his relationship to time, not his relationship to the other members of the Trinity. So he's an everlasting Father. He is the one that watches over our souls. He is the one that that gave his life by grace and mercy and love that we could be delivered. And then they say, Prince of Peace. The Messiah was the one who would be and will be the one who really brings what true peace is. We think a lot of times about the millennial peace that will come uh, when the nations will be properly back related to the Lord. But I want to just talk about even peace in our life. Peace in our situation. Peace in our circumstances. He is the Prince of Peace. There's a statement that says, No Jesus, with with N-O, and it says no peace. And then it says no Jesus K N O W and then no peace K N O W. See, when we know Jesus, when we walk in his path, when we're following his ways, when we're in communion with him, we know peace. He is the prince of peace. He is the one that gives us peace. He's the only one that can give us true peace. It tells us in these end times as we're looking that as the antichrist rises, some leaders are going to come and they're going to say, peace, 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 and it's going to look like there's world peace. As a matter of fact, I, I heard on the news the other day, and I would really like to investigate a little bit more, but they said really in all of history that this is one of the most tranquil times, meaning without war and savagery and all that, that there has ever been. When I heard that, it, it just it didn't make sense to me because I think now it seems like we're always fighting and bickering and having wars going on. But what they said is, man has become more civilized. And so we just don't kill our neighbors to get their land, as was once done in the old days. We don't just fight over territories the way that we once did. And so there are going to be those that say peace. Or if you want peace in your life, do this. Read this book. Do this thing. Apply this thing in your life. Follow this this way. Listen to this music. Meditate on these things. The Bible says... If you want peace in your life, you meditate on one thing. And that's Christ. That's our relationship with God. That's with his word. He's the prince of peace. Isaiah 9.6, as a matter of fact, is the first mention of over 25 references to peace throughout the rest of the book of Isaiah. He is the prince of peace. He is the maker of peace. When we think about uh, an orchestra, if you've ever seen one, you have this man that comes up. He's got this little stick, you know, and he taps the stick. Everybody hushes down. But before that happens, you got all these, these, these instruments. you got the brass section, the string instrument, the, the other instruments. I don't even know what they all are. But if you've ever sort of seen a, a pre-orchestra, they're all there sort of tooting their own horn, making their own music. Sounds sort of terrible. It's all like off-key and tuning things up, but it's, just, it's all out of sync. And then the orchestrator comes and he taps that that stick and all eyes become focused upon him and the hush comes in and he raises his arms and he begins that orchestra and it's a thing of beauty when we look at Christ we need to think that he is the prince of peace when the time for peace comes he's going to raise his hands and peace will be there and it's going to be a beautiful thing and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever we have a choice of who we allow to conduct our life. Who's the orchestrator of your life? Is it Satan with his whispers, with his influences, with his, his drawings? Remember 1 John says, the whole world and the sway of it is under the influence of the evil one. Is that who's conducting your life? Or do you allow God to conduct your life? Are you spending time in the word of God? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you spending time seeking after him and praising him for what he has done in your life? These four titles really give a a beautiful picture of the coming Messiah, of Jesus Christ coming and the character that conducts us in the counsel we need for our life. The word of God gives you everything in your life, all the counsel that you need in your life. Gives us the the character of his majesty, of who he is. Sometimes we toss about the name of Jesus as as a common thing. Do we do it with reverence, majestically, the proper fatherhood in gaining the peace in our life that he desires for us to have? Are these four things true in your life? Is he the mighty counselor? Is he the mighty God? The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace in your life. He will be seated on David's throne as the fourth. And we read that uh, in Isaiah 10, I think. It says a shoot will come out from the the stump of the root of Jesse. A shoot will come out. And it's from the lineage of David. Luke 1, 32 and 33 also talks about that. He's going to have... Eternal rule in peace and in justice. And it says that his rule will have no end. It's going to go on forever and ever. Jesus is going to be sitting upon the throne and rule us for all eternity. Daniel 7.14 says, To him who was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful promise that Daniel gives us. And fifthly, all this will be accomplished, it says, by the zeal of the Lord God Almighty. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform all this. The zeal of the Lord. Have you ever wondered what that meant? When somebody says to have zeal, it means great energy. When the Lord does this, it's going to be with great energy. It's going to be enthusiastic. It's going to be an exciting time. It's going to be a pursuit of a cause and an objective. What Christ is saying is that it's going to be completed with zeal. It's not just going to be a word. It's going to be done majestically. It's going to be done beautifully, it says. With the zeal of the Lord will perform this. His zeal will perform this. And we're going to stand back and be in awe. The Messiah will rule because God promised it. And what God promises will come to pass. And it says we will zealously... See his kingdom arrive. Isaiah boldly declares about Christ coming. Many people think, well, Jesus is just a New Testament. He's not in the old, but Isaiah shows us clearly as we've been going through this about this Christ that will come and the prophecies that will be fulfilled about him. And so as we watch his reign and one coming, that when a child Grew up would be triumphant. And way back when Isaiah was prophesizing this, he was talking about the Christmas season, the time when the Christ child would be born. But he also is linking it together with Easter, at the death of Jesus upon the cross, in the resurrection of him again, in the promise that comes for all eternity. Jesus, the name of God, the Messiah the one who can change the direction of your life, of our life, of our thoughts. He's the one that can change all things in our life, and that's really what the Christmas season is about. It's not about trees and presents and all those things. Those are are nice things. But it's about the birth of our son, of, of God's son, Jesus Christ, and the gift that he gave us. And the best gift that he gave. As we close, I want you to think about this. Is that God no longer dwells with his people. God dwells in them. The last question. Is Jesus dwelling in your life? Is he alive in your life? Do you know him as your personal savior? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the promises, Lord, that are found in your word. Lord, we thank you for Isaiah's scriptures here that Show us the humanity and the deity. It shows us the character of Jesus within these titles. Lord, as we look again at his names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Lord, may these things be real in our life. And Lord, as we look forward to his coming again, as we look forward to to him joining with us and calling us, to our home. Lord, may we stand here today knowing that we have that assurance. And Father, if there's people that do not know you, Lord, we pray that we would be that vessel. Lord, that we could be that one that would explain the gift of Jesus Christ and what it means. How this baby can change everything. Father, be with us as we go through this week, Lord. We know that this is a time of season one, more people are depressed and more people are sad and suicides are up and lord just as we've heard uh, this last week with some of the disasters that are going on many people are maybe struggling to really find reasons to rejoice but lord we know beyond our circumstances beyond all that we face beyond all that we go through lord that we have a reason to rejoice and that is in your son, Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you. Use us this week, Lord, in a great way. Promote your gospel to share the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.